struck by the words of scripture that were read earlier and by, by the, the truth of the songs that we've sung tonight and, and what, a, what a hard and holy night that we're embraced with. If you know anything about me, you know that I, I can tend to be more of an emotional person. I like to sit in the midst of, of hard and heavy emotions because I think that makes us more grateful for the good times as well. Good Friday for me has always been a night that, that there is sorrow and there is joy and we hold that together with open hands. We don't try to solve the tension, we try to live in it. See, the beauty of, of the, the scripture that was read earlier is, is looking at a savior. And I, I had mental images, I don't know about you, but the beauty of a savior who, who was tried, who was whipped, who was tortured, forced to carry his own method of death to the place of the skull, nailed to this cross. And God, may we never forget that weight. You see, I, I believe that there is a crimson thread that weaves its way throughout Scripture. And this, this crimson thread, we're going we're gonna to look into this a little bit tonight because, because what I want us to understand before we leave this place tonight is that we are nothing without the blood of Jesus shed for us. The blood of Jesus takes us from, from a place of God's wrath and deposits us into a place of his peace. But what I don't want tonight is for us to, to hear those words and to move past into the peace without settling into the wrath for a few moments. Because that's what he wore on his shoulders. See, this crimson thread, it, it, it represents life. We understand that through scripture. It talks about that in his word that, that without blood there is no life. And we look at a savior who came to this earth, fully God, fully man, without sin, totally pure, who bled and died for us. Whose body was torn open for us. Whose blood was shed on our behalf. And I see a beauty and I see, I see a torment at the same time. I want to read this passage that, that we walked through this last week. And, and I want to read this slowly and I want you to hear these words. This is what Paul wrote in Ephesians. And, and, and I want us to hone in on this for a few moments. And it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That was my story, and that was your story. Following the passions of our flesh, the desires of our body and mind, and we're children of wrath. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raises, up with, uh, raises us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him, beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you, do you feel the tension here, the duality of this passage, is that Paul is writing here and he's telling us about our fallen condition. And, and what this language does is it harkens back to our father and our mother, our, our original ancestor, Adam and Eve, who were placed in this garden, who were, who were made in God's very own image, who were told, you can do anything in this garden, but don't eat from the one tree. And Eve, what she did is, is she had a conversation and she looked at the fruit, and, and there were three specific things that, that she noticed when she looked at the fruit. And she said, it says that she noticed that, that the fruit was good for food, that it was pleasing to the eye, and that it was useful for gaining wisdom. Do you hear some of those same words in, in the words that Paul is using there? The pursuits of the flesh? The pride of life, thinking that we're more holy than God is. We were wrapped up just like the sons of wrath in that. And what happened is that when Adam and when Eve ate of this fruit, their eyes were opened to the fact that there is sin, that there is right and wrong, that there is a holy God who judges us. And what God did in the moment when, when they realized that they, they were ashamed because they were naked and they, they wrapped together some fig leaves for themselves and made clothing in God, he went looking for them, knowing their sin. He said, where are you? And what I think the response that, that comes from this that, that is so beautiful here is, is that God, he looks at them and he makes a blood sacrifice for them in that moment. It says that he clothed them. What, what would have had to have happened for him to clothe them in leather? He had to kill animals. New life in God is wrapped up in the blood. See, what, what happens here is this sin that entered into the world through this transaction with, with the fruit. God declares that at this moment, it's a life for a life. The sin that we commit against a holy and perfect God, we deserve to die. And so there was this system set up where animals, a holy, perfect, pure animal without blemish could be killed, that their blood could be taken and spilled for forgiveness. 
this blood would be shed. And when God looked at the offering, he would no longer see the sin, but he would see the blood. We see this in Exodus during the Passover. You know what I always think is beautiful about that moment when they painted the blood on the doorposts? God never stopped to check who was inside. He just checked to see if the blood was there. And for generations, this was the way that things went. A perfect and spotless animal shed of its blood poured out to act as a filter over the life of a sinful human being. What God would do is he would look at the original creation that was meant to be white, created in his image, and he would look for the blood. And then we were able to be in right relationship with God again for a time. Until at one point, Jesus enters into the story, fully God and fully man, born to a virgin. He lived a perfect life, a life that we couldn't even dream of living. And he taught, and he healed, and he developed relationships. And he told people there was a new life that was coming. And Jesus looked at the people and he told them, I'm going to die for your sins. And three days later, I will raise again, having defeated death, having defeated sin having defeated the grave. What I want us to think about in that moment is through those generations, this this crimson red, I am deserving of the death that each and every one of those animals would have died so that I could continue to live. In the view of a perfect and holy God who who. Um, looks for perfection, who, who demands perfection from his people. I can't stand up to that. There is no amount of, of bootstrapping, no amount of, of self-help programs, no amount of doing it well on my own that, that can ever line up to the expectations of a holy and perfect God who demands perfection. It's just not going to happen. That's why I love when Paul talks about this. In, in Ephesians, he says, he says, in God, you were saved by grace, and it's a free gift from God so that you can't boast about it. You realize, like, anything that I bring to the table just lands me back on the cross. Do you understand that? Anything that you bring to the table in your own humanness is worthy of dying on the cross. What do I bring to my relationship with Jesus? A kid at Christmas with open hands receiving a gift. That's, what, that's my part of this relationship. 
in my own fallenness, in my own brokenness, in the midst of all of the detestable and broken things that I've done, Jesus looks at me and says, here is, is the gift of my blood handed to you so that you can be in right relationship with God again. Do you understand the beauty of that? Do you understand the weight? What I don't want is for us to move on to a time of celebrating at Easter and forgetting about the weight. Because we love the celebration. We love to sing about the glory of God risen. We love to sing about our holy and perfect Savior who defeated death, hell, and the grave, and three days later rose again. But I want you to realize tonight the weight, the red that is my red, the sin that is my sin that held my Savior on the cross. And the beauty is, un unlike the Israelites, we don't have to go back and time after time kill animals and shed their blood because Jesus has offered to do that once and for all for us because he was the holy and perfect lamb without blemish, living the perfect life, fully God and fully man so that we could walk in relationship with God again. And this, my friends, is the beauty of the gospel. I want you to walk away tonight knowing the beauty of the gospel. There's nothing I could ever do to earn my own salvation. As a matter of fact, I'm wicked. I'm a wretch. I deserve to die. I inherited that from my father, Adam. And, and so many times I, 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 we can think like, man, if she only hadn't eaten the fruit. But can I tell you, if I had been in her place, I would have done the same thing. But what God is slowly doing through his gift of Jesus is redeeming the image of God within the people of God. What he's doing through the blood is giving us a new opportunity to live in relationship with the Father, to see him for who he truly is, and to understand what real life means. And there is no life. And we say there, there's no life without blood, but the truth, friends, is that there is no life without Jesus Christ. So on this Good Friday, I want us to rest in some weight. That it was the blood on my hands was the reason that Jesus shed his blood. What I find so interesting is even in the passage that we read, Pilate said, I, I see no reason that this man should die for what he's done. And the people cried out and said, we'll take the blood on our hands. The blood's on my hands. The blood's on your hands. 
And I think so oftentimes, I mean, we, we go to a church called Grace Spring. So oftentimes in a church that's so full of grace, we can move on to the grace part before we realize that the wrath that we deserve part. And this is not to guilt you out. It's not to bring you to a place of feeling sorry for yourself, but it's we'll never truly understand the weight of grace until we truly understand the weight of the wrath and the sin and the shame that we're so deserving of. It makes the grace feel so much more beautiful. And it's the free gift of Jesus Christ that he offers to us. So tonight, the work that we want to do while we're still here is to sit in the presence of our Savior, his blood on our hands. But then the beautiful thing is he washes that away and calls us a new creation. Isn't that wild? And it's free. We're going to spend some time shortly in communion. And, and I, wanted to, I wanted to share, you know, oftentimes at a, at a church you hear the word communion and, and you just think of the, the, the drink and the bread, right? Like that's what we do. That's part of what, who we are and, and what we're about. I want to I explain, and we're going to dig into this in, in just a few moments, but, but communion, this practice, it came out of the Last Supper where Jesus sat with his disciples he broke bread with them, and he prayed with them, and he blessed them. And I like to think, I mean, we weren't there, and there, there are some words there that we can read about, but, but I like to think that maybe he just told them, like, man, I see this in you. I believe this in you. We think about, as Rob shared a little while ago, like, what, what would you do if, if you knew that you were going to die soon? And I've got to think that Jesus was full of uplifting words for his people also. Now, this, that's... I'm not trying to add to the Bible there, but man, I can just imagine what those conversations were like. That was what communion was. It wasn't, wasn't taking a tiny piece of bread and, and enough juice just to kind of to wet your thirst a little bit. It was a relationship. It was, it was a bonding. It was, it was breaking bread together and sharing relationship and life and, and trust together. And so tonight, as we have the opportunity to take communion... What I want us to do is to reflect during this next song and, and to truly think about what it means to commune with God, to commune with Jesus. And maybe you're in this place and, and, and you need him to speak that blessing over you. Maybe it's, it's simply to remember and say, this is what my sin has done. It, it broke his body and, and, it, and it poured out his blood. Maybe you're in a place where you just need to be thankful. But the invitation, I believe, from Jesus is there, and he's saying, will you come in? Will you sit down at my table with me? Don't move on past this moment too fast. Don't, don't walk up to this table and grab the bread and, and grab the drink and go back to your seat and take those things and then move on with your night, but commune with me. Get what you need from me. That's the reason that, that we read it in 1 Corinthians. It says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of Jesus. It's a holy moment where we sit in his presence and know him and hear his heart 
and receive his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy and his compassion and his love for his people. A people who were destined for wrath but received grace because of his free gift on the cross. What I'd like to do is during this song, I wanna invite you to come to the tables. They're all around the auditorium and grab your elements, grab the bread and grab the drink, but don't take it yet. What I want you to do is during the rest of that song, hold those elements as you are able and think about what they mean. What is the blood poured out for you? What is the body broken for you? And what did that cost you? For me, it cost me my sin and it cost me my brokenness and it cost me a willingness to join a new family and to, to receive the grace, the free gift of God that was given to me. And hold on to those. And after this next song, we're gonna come together. We're gonna take communion as a family sitting at the Lord's table reflecting on who Jesus is and the gift of salvation that he gives us because of his death on the cross. As we sing, grab those elements and we'll take them together after this next song.